everybody. Brian Catherwood here. How you doing? Hope you're all having a great Friday morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Playing around with StreamYard, which is our live streaming service. Having fun introduction, introductory music, if you will. Trying to create a fun experience for those joining us for our first ever episode of Alumless. Uh, so welcome, and uh, I'm your host, Ryan Catherwood. Alumless is a Chris Marshall Advancement Consulting production. Every other Friday, it's our plan to bring you a new episode of Alumless uh, with me as your host, but starring my friend and boss, Chris Marshall, CMAC founder and CEO. Uh, this is designed to be kind of part talk show, part webinar, uh, and we hope to make it fun, uh, maybe surprising and have a special guest on each episode, which we will uh, have a special guest today. Uh, but um, we're going to try to keep episodes about 30 minutes long. And I did want to mention that if you are joining us, uh, watching this live on LinkedIn, you can also chime in in the comments section on LinkedIn, and we can see your comments here on StreamYard, and we can interact with you in real time. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind, it actually would be awesome if you would post in the comments uh, who you are and, and where you work and that you're tuning in, and we can begin to have a conversation with you during the course of the show. Okay, so next I am going to bring in Chris and boom, there he is. Hello, sir. How are you today? Oh, I think you're on mute, Chris. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's great to see you. Thank you for uh, all the work putting this together, man. Absolutely. This is fun. You know, I enjoy creating content, having uh, this type of uh you know webinar and and i guess you know chris we would talk a, a, a little while about the concept and what we were trying to build here and why alum list you know what was the uh why did we call it that because i bet some people are out there kind of thinking you know what's that all about it's all about and it's hard to say and you and i spent some time arguing about whether or not it was worth trying but the tongue-in-cheek part is really where it came from so if anybody's a fan of the podcast um, Smartless, which features Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, Jason Bateman, and they have a really funny, I'm seeing folks joining in. Hey, everybody joining there. Dave, John, Jenny, Maria, good to see you. What, from Ireland, wow, great, We're all over the world here. Um, thanks for joining. Uh, but yeah, so those three guys host this, a podcast called Smartless, and it is absolutely hysterical, um, fun, and enjoyable. If you have not uh, listened to it, please you know jump in. And um, I have no connection to it other than that I've stole their name. And we're just playing around with the, the list part of it because the folks that are going to be joining us certainly have a lot of alumni knowledge, alumni engagement knowledge, but just sort of a way to be playful and have a name out there that maybe we'll catch and, 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 and make it hard to say for people. Have you seen the alumnus episode? <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah, we wanted to make it memorable and hard to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> But it's and the part about SWATLIST, which is which is brilliant, is that they bring in each of the three hosts of that podcast take turns and they bring in a surprise guest. The other two people don't know who's coming and they bring them in and they have this really fun conversation about career, life, you know, you name it. It, it, it could be about anything. And we're going to do we're going to steal that part of it as well. We're going to have a surprise guest each time we do this. And it'll be a lot of fun to introduce those two. We'll always have a topic and we'll always have some questions geared towards the area that we're um, planning on talking about, but uh, the, the guest will be surprised, will come in, we'll have some laughs and he'll share some of the, he or she will share some of the knowledge that they have on that particular topic. 
Yeah, I'm going to try to guide our conversation. Chris is going to be our star. Uh, we're going to bring in some special guests, uh, and it's going to be fun. I just want to say hello to, to Pam at uh, Boise State and yeah. uh, Pat, uh, who's uh, now at Temple. And uh, we've got some great people chiming in and uh, checking us out for the first time. Uh, so, Chris, you know, you and I work with lots of colleges and universities and engagement metrics are almost always a big part of the conversation. How would you describe the big picture of issues or factors that account for why it is so important, but often difficult to track engagement and then utilize that information? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is our history. Is that we've been around as an industry over over 100 years and we I'm talking about industry-wide and for historical context here, no individuals are named in this, but we have not done a good enough job, in my opinion, in quantifying our work. So there's a long history that's been a reason why we haven't done it. We've been more of an art form and less of a science, if you will. Um, and as you get into measurement and you compare ourselves to our colleagues in the fundraising part of the uh, advancement world, they have every metric you can imagine. And, and, and folks who don't know my background, I, I came out, my career, I've been in alumni engagement for 21 years and 12 years before that, I was a collegiate swimming coach. And if you don't, you don't know anything about swimming other than the fact that they measure to the hundredth of a second, every single stroke, lap, length, yard and meter is, is tracked. And there's a scoreboard at the end of a competition. And I came into alumni engagement and said, what's, the, what's our scoreboard? And there wasn't an answer back in 2001. There was the beginnings of answers and some places had done some things. And, and over the course of those years, I, I joined uh, with a group of people in Pequot, private college university alumni directors, and they were evolving a model that led to ultimately a few years ago, um, CASE adopting their alumni engagement metric standards, which I, I think is the baseline. It's To me, it's the crawl in the crawl, walk, run, fly, evolutionary scale of how we measure. Uh, but to me, it's so critical that we have a baseline way of saying, the work we do is having an impact. There's correlational work you can do. You can eventually get the causational and even, you know, the more sophisticated models get into predictive modeling. And I, I think you know, the biggest obstacles for many places is that resources, they just don't have to do it. Business practices aren't in place to do it. The, the big one I find often is just institutional will. Uh, you know, the right leaders adopting the, um, the mindset that this is important and we should be doing this. And here's why we should be tracking this data. And um, building, investing those resources and building the business processes to be able to track. We all track philanthropic engagement because we're federally mandated to do so, but but uh, events and, and volunteers should be the next two, I always say, and then the communications, which is the hardest, um, should be not far behind. And I think it's something that we just need to baseline and, and all do. Uh, so I, I advocate that with every single client, but then building a institutional model that brings in some weighting to certain activities is the next step in the evolutionary stage here because the, the flaw in the current case system is that your most engaged alums count as one and the person who showed up for one thing counts as one and there's no waiting a, you know a uber volunteer and a you know a reunion event attendee who comes to campus for three days count the same and i think we need to build eventually institutions need to build weighted models to track these and i've seen um five point models i've seen 10 100 and thousand point models out there that track it and and, and I was just on a call earlier this morning talking about this exact topic and, and how far you go down the path to build a sophisticated weighted model um, is a question. And I'll, the other part of it, I'll say this, Ryan, and you and I have talked about this too, which is you shouldn't start there. You know, the Lamborghini is not what you need to start. You need the Model T to roll out the garage and then figure out how to build the rest of the parts on it later on. And um, so that, that's where my head is on as we think about engagement metric. That's where I always start is at the basic model. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I see uh, Jenny Cook-Smith on the call, which is great, you know, Case's uh, in, uh, metrics guru. And, you know, right. I thought maybe I would ask you, Chris, to sort of uh, just, um, you know, take us back in time a little bit to participating on that task force with Case and establishing those metrics. Could you share a little bit about that experience and, and how that led to what we have now? Yeah. Um, imagine, um, you know, all of us are see the names on here, you know, professionals have been in the industry for many years and we took you know 15 16 people who had 10 to 20 years or more experience in some cases and sat them in a room and we said okay figure this out and gary olson uh, brilliant leader uh, formerly at it was the villanova alumni leader he was the vp for advancement at university of scranton he's doing his own consulting work now as well um he was the chair of this committee and we sat down and said okay this is the funny thing is that we spent I want to say three hours talking about the definition of the word alumni. <laughs> it sounds so silly when you hear that, right? 12, 15 people in a room from all over the world. And we're talking about what do we mean by alumni? The challenge is that when you talk about alumni, if you're a higher ed alum, and you're thinking about your alums, you often think about your four year undergrad or grad alums and they have a degree and all that. But what about an independent school? What about a community college, a place where you might start but never get a degree and move on from. Are you considered an alum by definition at those places? You go to an uh, uh, independent school from K to, um, let's say, eighth grade, and then you leave there and you go to somewhere else for high school. You're, you're 9 through 12 here in the United States, as we call it. Um, are you an alum of both those places or just one? Or So all that became the conversation, and it was fascinating. So we went from there to defining what we mean by engagement. And that took another three or four hours to come up with a definition. But it was very, it was very basic blocking and tackling. And the interesting thing, I love Case for many, many reasons. They do a lot of, you know, a lot of great work in our industry and our, our, our you know, our, our main leader in terms of the trade that we do and all that. But the, the one of the problems that, that and Case knows this is that they are, they fit all sizes, all types of institutions. They're, they, they serve the Penn States and Indiana universities of the world and the liberal arts colleges and the independent schools and, and thousands of institutions around the world that are all very different. So to come up with a common definition across all those types and sizes of the schools is the biggest challenge that Case faces. You go to a Case district conference, you're gonna be with all those people. You go to Case summit, you'll be with all those people. But um, I think for us, it's, it's, the, it's a baselining exercise that we went through in that process to try to get to what's a model that can apply across and then we build more sophisticated models. As I said before, that the, the crawl to the walk to the run to the fly is all part of what I think we need to do. And I think some of that, as we get further along that, I think it's going to be more institutional. And Case was, we're working at the beginning of that step is where it started from. So it was fascinating. It was really, we spent, um, you know, half a dozen meetings, uh, one in person down in D.C. in the old Case offices. And then the rest of it was mostly virtual and got to a point where we had a white paper back in 2018, I want to say, and then a group of people worked on it in the next year, and then a few schools tried it out, and slowly we've been evolving towards it. And we're at the point where hundreds of schools have submitted data. And if you're on this call, I hope you've submitted your case uh, AEM data. Please do. Every school should be submitting that at minimum. Yeah, it's really been great to sort of have that baseline of metrics and, and way to categorize our work and a unifying set of uh, standards and, yeah. and, and, and language to, to talk about. Yeah, and one of the things you made me think of, Ryan, is that it's not about comparing yourself to others. Um, you can. I'm a competitive person. I want to see how I stack up against anyone. But um, And schools should look at that. But it's really about yourself over time. You should be looking at it sort of linearly, not vertically about how do I compare to 
X. It's worth looking at, but it shouldn't be the driving force behind your participation there. Yeah. All right. Well, I think you know at this moment it is good. It is a good time to welcome our special guest uh, for this, the first ever episode of uh, Alumnus, and welcome, <laughs> Mr. Barney Ellis That's Perry. Pressure. How are That's you today? Pressure. Yeah, I know a little bit of pressure. First ever episode, okay. right, Barney? What's going on? Barney, of course, is actually our newest addition to the CMAC team of consultants. Uh, Barney's work in higher education alumni engagement includes leadership roles at UC Irvine, Vanderbilt, and the University of British Columbia. It's great to have you. Can you hear me okay, Barney? Oh, can't hear me? I actually, I, I can't. <laughs> I could hear you and, and Chris talking. Now I can't hear you. Okay. All right, Chris, can you still hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, and I heard your amazing introduction to Barney. But Barney, nothing? Yikes. We can't hear Barney at this moment? Barney can, can't hear us, but we can hear him. Okay. Yeah, we can We can hear you. All right. Um, we hear you typing away. This is why we do, this is why we do pilots um, to, to, to work out, because we did hear Barney loud and clear earlier. And uh, he's gonna he's gonna try to reaccess it. Well, that's awesome. This is this is the one thing that I love about modern technology is that we can live stream straight to LinkedIn, produce a web show, have a special guest, test all the technology, and then uh, it, it ends up being that um, you know Barney Ellis Perry has to hop out and then hop back in. So let's keep on with the conversation. When I see Barney hop back into the uh, to the yeah. studio, Chris, I'll just add him again, and we can welcome him. But you know, let's talk a little bit about Barney's addition to the team. Um, can you share a little bit more about the sort of the expanding uh, CMAC team, uh, as well as you know, we have actually other uh, team members that join us as well. Yeah, I don't. I don't want this to be a commercial for CMAC. I want this to be an industry discussion. So I'll do it very quickly. Which is this. Um, it was me for three years, CMAC now. We celebrated our third anniversary, April 1 of this year. And for me, it was uh, it was just me for a year and a half or so. And you joined, Ryan, and have done some great stuff with us during that time and have been the go-to and the brains behind this. So thank you for all that contribution. Um, but we've gotten to the point now where the work and the expanse of businesses, we, we need more brains, more bodies, more people to help deliver. And so Barney Ellis Perry will be joining us officially. Uh, and here he is. He's back. Bye. Barney, can you hear us? I can hear you. What a disaster. I could hear you, hear us talking, and then I was gone. So let, let me just finish real quick, and I want to go you take it over with Barney. So I was just saying that, Barney, you're the first person joining us after Ryan. What we're announcing today will go out on LinkedIn later today, and it'll be on uh, our website very soon. Uh, two other additions. Uh, Cynthia Koo Robinson, who just retired from the University of Buffalo, has a long 30-year career in this business, and she has annual fund um, alumni engagement back experience and many, many other things. She'll be joining us officially as well. She's in Malaysia this, at this moment, so she couldn't join us right now with her schedule, uh, but she'll be on a future one. Uh, and then the, the other addition is Scott Greenwood, who is at uh, Duke University as an Associate Vice President for Alumni Affairs and Development. I think it's his title, but he'll be joining us. He'll stay at Duke. He's not leaving his job at Duke. He's going to do some work on the side with uh, CMAC and help us uh, with all our client work that we have going. So, Ryan, take me off and give it to Barney. 
<laughs> well, I, I will take Chris off for momentarily. Barney, great to have you back. Um, you know, love uh, that you're joining CMAC and love that you're here on, on Alumnus. Could you just share a little bit, Barney, about you've a lot of fantastic experience in the alumni space um, and you've got some consulting experience in your in past as well. Um, can you, yeah. I'm wondering a little bit more about if you might share what you love most about working with college and university partners. Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much. And thanks, Chris. Um, overall, I mean, it's just such an honor when you're invited in to help, you know, a great organization become even better. And I just love that. And it's really fun to be a thought partner with really smart people. And, you know, the clients I've worked with, you know, locally and all over the world tend to usually be really smart. Um, and they just want a thinking partner. And your, our, our job is to help them discover the path forward that benefits their mission. And it's, it's incredibly fun. Um, I've worked, you know, I've been so lucky to work with, you know, everything from high school, you know, private schools and colleges and universities all over the world. You know, and the big common thread is how to engage their constituents in ways that better the lives of their constituents and impacts the mission of the institution, you know, through the time, talent, and treasure of those people. And so, you know, as a consultant, it's not that you're coming to the table with all the, you know, just add water solutions. You know, it's very much that, you know, all of us have this experience from a wide range of situations, which is what, you know, sort of makes us unique. And we bring that to the table to help the clients find their best, you know, their own best answers and make it their answer. It's got to be bespoke, you know, to the to chance or we're not just, or to the, the organization. We're not just taking, you know, some study off a shelf and dusting it off. It's got to be really unique so that that organization owns it and lives it uh, going forward. Yeah, Barney, you know, we're, we're in, a, in an interesting period in sort of the history of the world, right, coming out of a pandemic in sort of an endemic phase, right, where we're trying to live with COVID as a uh, as part of the background of, of life. We've, we've learned a lot, right, about what works, uh, what doesn't work. Um, and, you know, I think everyone is really evolving their strategies right now to, to sort of meet the moment and, and plan for the future as best we can. What is your view of how teams will likely set priorities when it comes to engaging alumni and donors? Well, you know, when Chris said, you know, this profession has been around for 100 years, and I think one of the biggest shifts was engagement metrics. And I think the next biggest shift that we're living through, of course, is what we've all gone through with the pandemic. And, you know, for a lot, of, it was very interesting because there was a lot of shops that pre-pandemic were content-based, digital-first, you know, and they were way ahead of it. And the, you know, the pandemic was really much an affirmation um, as they they rolled forward really easily into total online engagement. Then there's a whole lot of shops and, you know, thankfully, because we're consultants, um, that they weren't quite there yet. And that was a wake up call. And it really forced the conversations that a lot of people, a lot of people I was talking to, they wanted to have those conversations. They just, you know, hadn't got there yet. So now we're seeing this big shift in strategy and the alignment of resources towards digital engagement, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, but it's also not easy, <laughs> you know, so there's a real scramble and a lot of it is really putting people in different seats um, and really spending money differently. And, and also it forces a lot deeper alignment often with the university from an IT perspective, but also content perspective, et cetera. So, you know, that's really interesting. And it's also, you know, a lot of schools are really hard hit. You know, there was a lot of, you know, budget cuts. And so I think that is also pushing the trend towards the alignment of alumni relations and annual giving that we're really seeing in a lot of places. Um, and that to me is really exciting. I think it's really long overdue. Um, I think our constituents just see one institution. 
Um, and so it's really important if we can truly align our, our forward facing, you know, the big bottom of the period, but really big constituent engagement uh, entities in a powerful way, not just a white picket fence. That, oh, we get along. We're under the same, you know, vice, vice principal or, or vice president, but to really align and, and have really powerful integration. I think that's really long overdue. Um, yeah. And the last part I would just quickly add, I think we're also seeing because how people saw the uptake of all of their online content is we're talking a lot more about constituent engagement, not just alumni engagement. We're really bringing parents, friends of the institution and others into the tent um, in a meaningful way and a measurable way. It's really exciting. So exciting times. Yeah. Um, you know, Barney, and I'm going to bring Chris back in on the next question as well. You know, a lot of teams that we work with are rethinking strategies and are working to deploy a content-led approach to engagement. What does that mean from your perspective to be have a content-led strategy? Well, I see it as you're creating almost sort of a, a pyramid of intellectual content. So when you, you look at the big picture of what exists within the university, and you create a strategy around that so that you are no longer from a, as a constituent engaging organization, you're no longer generating content in the same way. You're now focused on curating content from within your, in, within your institution and also, though, from your constituents. And, you know, there's some really cool stuff out there. So you now step back and you're thinking, I think, completely differently. And like, what are our major themes for the year and aligning that with philanthropy? And that's something we did at Vanderbilt that was really fun um, to really think mindfully about every talk that you're giving, every online webinar, you know, everything that where you're engaging constituents to think about what is that content. And then you're able to bring people, you know, who are sticky to that to because they're excited about that content versus, you know, you're going after a certain demographic with a certain type of event or activity. And then the magic happens when you can get the data. So when you can see what people are engaging in, and they may be, you know, you may have someone who's a law grad who is, you know, you're going to discover through what they're clicking on and participating in them that they're super passionate, you know, passionate about women's tennis or something. And you can find out, and that's where you can then really do that precise targeting for, you know, people's passions with your opportunities to, for them to give their time, talent, and treasure. Yeah. Absolutely. Great take. Um, Chris, you know, what do you think? Can you add sort of that idea of a content led strategy? Yeah, I'm going to build on a little piece of what uh, Barney said in that um, we did a strategic plan for Duke a couple of years ago, working with Sterling Wilder and Scott Greenwood, who's going to be joining CMAC. And one of, this is one of their main priority areas. This is sort of, you know, the, the big word that gets put across this is lifelong learning, but it's not always about that it could be about personal enrichment, it could be professional development, it could be lifelong learning, it could be you know continuing education credits, etc. But um, you know, using segmentation to target you know uh, what content individuals are interested in is something that I think all schools should be thinking about. Very few schools have the resources to really do it well. Frankly, it's it's a big data and a, a whole different. But there, we, there are schools doing it. There's certainly schools on this call. I'm sure that we're doing those kinds of things. But the one piece I want to pick up on is what what do what I loved, and Barney, you said it in your comments, which was this, is that uh, as their their strategies with underneath this lifelong learning umbrella had several different pieces. And the two of them that I love were we want to bring, the, the, this is a, almost a direct quote, that we want to bring the intellectual firepower of Duke to our alumni, strategy two. Strategy three was we want to bring the intellectual firepower of our alumni to Duke. 
And I love that. I think it was just a cool mutual value back and forth thing that I just don't think many schools think about. And the, the, what you what firepower the alumni have to help Duke in every area. You know, they have 150,000 alumni, 180,000, whatever the number is. Uh, they, they can help in anything. And so, so, so not just in financial means and con contributing. Duke does a great job fundraising, but they also have the, that capacity intellectually am amongst their alumni. And all these schools on this call have the same to, to help the institution. Uh, so they're actually called it as out as a strategy. And I love the, the back and forth, the way they, they articulated it. Yeah. Um, sort of a, a follow-up question, Chris, connecting some of the dots here. Um, how do you how do you see more on the idea of content strategy impacting alumni engagement metrics? And Barney sort of also alluded to the idea of how we're able to uh, use content to track affinity. Uh, how do you see sort of content and metrics um, sort of playing together? That's kind of, we could probably have a whole show on that and talk and talk at length about it. I also wanted to mention, Chris, before you before you answer, we do probably have time for a couple of questions before we hit the top of the hour. If you want any questions that you all have, um, please plug them into the LinkedIn comments section and we'll be able to see them. If there aren't any questions, that's no big deal either. But I wanted to mention that we do have just a couple of minutes. All right, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I don't want to labor it um, because I want to try to keep these at the 30 minute mark each time. So um, yeah. what, I, what I'm talking with clients about now is once you've got to the point where you have the basic blocking and tackling on the, the metrics, what you can do is look at movement through those, through things such as content. I mean, if we're sharing certain types of stories with the right, certain type of people, do they move into other areas on that, uh, on that engagement scoring uh, is one piece. And the other one though, that I like to, you know, as an early sort of in the, maybe walk jog category, if you're looking at evolutionary scale, is looking at the correlation between event attendance and giving, volunteerism and giving, communications and giving, and what particular content and giving might look like. When you can show those kind of data, and here's the here's what we have learned basic numbers are, and I can give you three of those four. So I don't have a lot of data on communications yet. It's coming soon, but you look at event attendance, volunteering and giving. Uh, event attendees give it twice the rate and twice the average gift on average. And volunteers give it three to five times the rate and 10 to 20 times the average gift, again, on average. This is, if you took your data and ran up against it, you'll be somewhere in that ballpark. So showing that data to our vice presidents, to our alumni boards, to our boards of trustees, and to our college presidents and chancellors is an important thing that we should be doing. That, um, show, in my mind, it begins to demonstrate Again, it's correlational. Chicken and egg, you can argue all you want, but it begins to demonstrate the, the, uh, the work that we do does add value. And, and interestingly, it's not about events. It's about volunteer pipelines and volunteer paths that I think are even more critical. Events are important. You're not going to go away with those. But um, let's see. Any questions come in, Ryan, or do you have any other follow-up for us? I didn't see any questions come in, which is okay. And and I do think, you know, it's interesting, you know, Evertrue had some data on, you know, how yes. people who like comment and share interact on social media are also more likely to, to make a gift. And so there's definitely a direct correlation between to, uh, you know, those individuals who are engaging on social media and who are also donors. But, um, okay. Uh, oh, Let's see. We no, that wasn't a wasn't a question, just a comment there uh, on on LinkedIn. But well, uh, I, Barney, did you want to chime in? I just add one thing to what Chris was talking about about the data. 
Because what's also interesting is we tend to get the data within our sphere of influence within, you know, mm. the alumni world and advancement. But there are some emerging technologies and, and also abilities now, especially if you're on Salesforce and other other platforms, to be able to get the data of what people are clicking on through in the schools, in the athletics department, all the other parts of the university and to bring that to the equation. And that's really exciting. Um, and, that's, and that's something that, again, has to take to Chris's initial point around institutions institutional commitment. It takes that and the ability to share that data, but it can be really powerful in looking at people's affinities and seeing how they react to content in other areas that often is generated through our offices. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's being done through, you know, their alumni outreach, but we often don't get that data. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and thank you, uh, Paul Clifford, for the kind words there in the chat. We appreciate hey, you. <laughs> Yeah, we appreciate you joining us uh, on this Easter weekend Friday. Uh, I think we can wrap it up with about a minute to go here, uh, Chris and Barney. We've got another episode of Alumnus planned for two weeks, which is Friday, April 29th. Uh, we are going to have a, uh, another fun uh, conversation with Chris and a special guest and of course, thank you so much for everyone who tuned in today. It was fantastic to have all of you awesome alumni professionals checking us out. And we're grateful for your time. Have a lovely weekend and we'll see you again in two weeks. All right. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Good job hosting. Right. Good to see you. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks, all.